3: When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com.
1: Hi, LS Pod fans. It's JR here. Fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. It's swindling time.
2: Good afternoon, Rich, and welcome back to the presser. Not
0: just to the listener, but to yourself. I did say Prodigal Sun before we started recording. The Prodigal God is back. Yeah, thank you for that. I get to talk about football for the first time in about two weeks. Couldn't be happier and prouder of the efforts that yourself and the guys have put in. Uh, during my absence, it's almost as if I don't need to come back. What say you? <laughs> what say I? Well, it's great to have you back. And I'm just pleased you're still calling it football
2: and you've not started calling it soccer by now mm, um, after your yeah. trips in the States. But yeah, it's been, we've kept it going. The ship's still afloat. And well, we thought Swindon's Playoff hopes were done and dusted before you went. They're up and alive and kicking well.
0: Yeah, which also makes me think do I want to jinx this? Because I think my last introduction. To the podcasts before going was that promotion was slip sliding away, and now, although not in our hands, we're still very much in that proverbial mix. But yeah, no soccer here. But you know that we, the UK, came up with the term soccer, so they can have that.
2: <laughs> Leave them to it. Leave them to. It. I wonder how many American fans, if any, listen to the pod
0: We have quite a solid following in the USA with our expats, who I love each and every one of them. Here, here.
2: Well, what have you missed while you've been away, Rich? It's been topsy-turvy here, there and everywhere. Richie Wellens, of course, got their, well, predictable win, wasn't it? We all knew that was going to happen. 3-0 victory over Hartlepool. And then, well, you missed some encounter on Tuesday night. That Forest Green game yes. it was, I have to say, probably the best atmosphere I've seen at the county ground. Games just feel a bit different under the lights, especially you got a sellout crowd like it
0: was. Should we turn them on on Saturday just so we can say the, the lights are on, so under lights, <laughs> should we do that? Just so we can go for it, yeah. Well, one thing that is happening Saturday is the Stratton Bank's open,
2: so that will be packed up with Swindon fans as well.
0: Yeah, we'll hope so. Um, the announcement was made on Thursday evening, which is great news. It's always good when the Stratton Bank is open to home fans. I wonder how many will be in there given that most, especially post-Forest Green, would have snapped up their ticket before thursday evening so hopefully some held back and will make plenty of noise and if not i'm sure they'll pack it out with school kids who will who will do their bit too so it's good that there's that demand you know we're by no means guaranteed a place in the playoffs and we're still getting these ridiculously high attendances given the circumstances and the division we're in. So really, really happy with that. And fingers crossed, it's it's going to go that way. It was really weird following Swindon from afar, because obviously 3pm kickoffs are what, 10am in the East Coast. And then, you know, going through my tourism days, keeping an eye on Swindon's uh, midweekers. I think there were two of each. Forest Green, I was gutted to miss out on but i knew that wouldn't was going to be a good one and it proved to be the case but we'll start as we always do with injuries all looks good on that front all does look good on that
2: throat uh, throat <laughs> let's go with that again. i'm
0: the jet-lagged one here ryan come on <laughs>
2: all does look good on the injury front from for swindon town everyone came through tuesday unscathed apart from cd Long-term injuries that we currently know about. LSI Anderle will serve his one-game suspension. Stupid two yellow cards. Can't say anything else about it, really. Jojo's progressing well with his shoulder. It is a day-by-day situation at the moment. Now, the injury that he sustained um, originally in, I think it was a Hartlepool game, um, it was a heavy impact. Sorry, no, it was the Leyton Orient game. It was a heavy impact, and that meant he wasn't available for Hartlepool. Um, he has progressed since then, been training each day, stepping up the intensity and training Of course. He was fit enough to make the bench for Forest Green on Tuesday evening. But you just wonder whether Ben Garner is maybe covering up this, not covering up to the extent he's hiding things, but maybe saying, OK, we won't take a risk with any player um, because of how well Lewis Ward's done. And it gives him a little bit of an out if he wants to keep Jojo on the bench.
0: I haven't seen the last four games Kept an eye on each and every one as they were happening, but I haven't seen the highlights. I didn't watch the games whilst out there either. So Lewis Ward kept a clean sheet in game one. Did okay by the sounds of it against Forest Green Rovers. How good has he been? Has he been peppered a lot? I mean, I imagine Forest Green Rovers, he had to keep a fair bit out, did he? Or or has he been quieter than maybe in other games? I wouldn't even say
2: it's a case of he's been kind of, having an abundance of shots to face and pulling right. off some brilliant shot-stopping saves. He has pulled up a few good saves. We all know how good his reactions are um, in, in goal when he has to make those stops. But what impresses me most about Lewis Ward is his dominance when balls come into the box or from crosses or whether it be cross, sorry, whether it be crosses, corners, free kicks. He just seems to command that penalty spot a little bit better. And at this level, against some of the teams we're playing of late, you know, it, it's the type of, think you want new goalkeeper at times. I'm not here slate and Jojo Wallercott saying that Ward's suddenly better. I still think Wallocott's the better goalkeeper all round. But it was just interesting to see the other night there were a couple of times against Forest Green Rovers where some brilliant balls were put into the box where Swindon had conceded possession out wide, simply down to the fact that they were uh, playing with ten men. And Ward just dealt with it with ease, didn't ever really seem trouble. There was maybe one time when he could have caught the ball instead of punching, but he does command that box a lot better, I have to say, because that's often been my criticism of Jojo Wallacotti, that he's not the best in dealing with a high ball.
0: Yeah, Lewis Ward certainly does like the the punch method, doesn't he? And I mean, Jojo is the best goalie in the division as voted now. So it's a real headache that Ben garner has got for himself, because if, if it's purely down to injury, then Lewis Ward keeps the number one jersey until it's his. I said jersey then. I've been in America for too long, haven't I? If it's just injury, then Lewis Ward plays. Easy peasy. If there's anything else, then it's a real potential headache for him because as we go into potentially the playoffs, then as Terry would always say, you pick your best player's, always regardless of how well others have done and I I was listening to Tyler make an argument for why Lewis Ward should start at the moment I've got no problem with that at all and I think the thing that's highlighted within the the goalkeeper union trademark is that confidence and all that if it's right and how you play them but how is that any different to any other position how is it different to having say a right back who's doing very very well but somebody comes back from injury and then they lose their place although they've done nothing wrong and their confidence is quite high it's I, I never understand why goalkeepers get their own little unique thing I guess it's a very important position given the fact that they've got to stop balls from going in the net but it's Lewis Ward until Jojo is fully fit and if that means Jojo never plays again so be it Lewis Ward has done nothing wrong but it's it's a it's a, a long way of me saying it's a big headache potentially for Ben Garner a good one though I don't know if you would see it as a good headache in some ways because it makes his job
2: of keeping the I'm not saying team fall apart but keeping that unity together off the pitch if he decides to upset Jojo Wallacott. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with the situation at the moment. He ended his quote today by saying we won't take a risk with any player. And Lewis Ward has come in and done fantastically well, which may be a, just a kind of an ending parting message to say that he could be in the lineup for tomorrow um keep his place. Look, Jojo Wallacott is, as you mentioned, the best goalkeeper in the division. He, he's been voted that. And without him this season, who knows where Swindon Town would have ended up. I certainly don't think we'd have been challenging for the playoffs. But you can only go on form as well, can't you? It's such a difficult thing. And I have to say as well, in the games, like just before you went away, Rich, and and kind of in that run-in throughout April, I thought Jojo had dipped in form a little bit as well.
0: Yeah, it's the classic. He's come back from international duty. Not as good as he was before. Ghana qualified for the World Cup against Nigeria. and I have read people sort of saying pretty much, hallelujah, Lewis Ward is in the team, as if Jojo's been an a issue for the whole season, which he absolutely hasn't been. But it is that, sh- that short-term bias that we have that you see a couple of poorly placed kicks, dallying with the ball and so forth, that when somebody comes in and keeps a clean sheet and then does well in a huge game then people suddenly think Lewis Ward is, is has always been the way forward. But, you know, it, it's just one of those things and we'll see what happens. I think exactly what you say there, Pengana saying we won't take a risk with any player and Lewis Ward has come in and done fantastically well, pretty much says Lewis Ward is starting. And I hope he does really, really well against Barrow because we want to go into the playoffs and any mistakes now, it's a legacy thing really for Lewis Ward. It's huge pressure for him and he's he's stepping up, which is great. Exactly. That's it. That is it, Rich. Nothing else needs to be said, I think. Then we shall move on. Uh the next question was uh about the fullback position. Tell me, what was discussed here?
2: Well this question was really brought to light due to the fact that of course Ellis is now out for the game against Sparrow. Joe Tomlinson is out injured. Rob Hunt is out injured. So you sat there looking at the squad and thinking, right, who can actually play fullback in this team now? Um, Of course, we've seen AK Akinodomeo play at right back quite a few times. He actually had to come in at left back the other day. And it seems to be that he'll be in that position again. On this situation, Ben said left back has been the position we haven't had many natural left backs. And we've always had to find a way of fitting people into that position, whether it be. You know, we had we we had Joe Tomlinson, didn't we? Who kind of looked the most comfortable in there. We also had um, Ellis, who would often switch between midfield and left back. Rob Hunt's played at left back. Hacking Odomero played at left back. Uh, but on the the on AK he said he, he did terrific coming on in that position on Tuesday night, and that is credit to you know the players' adaptability and all the players in the squad that have been able to adapt to different positions. A little bit of a conundrum going into Barrow tomorrow night because I think you're going to have to look at that lineup and possibly we'll touch on it later, Rich. But switch to a back three. Mm. So, do you? I mean, do you think ultimately that's what he's going to do? Well, he has one of two options here. He can either switch to a back three and pay Boudry, Conroy, Comroy, um, O'Brien, AK, AK on one side, and then you know possibly even the likes of Johnny Williams as, as a left wing back. Or Egbo, even. Sorry, of course, Egbo could go down into that position of a wing-back. He could do that. He could also stick with Egbo on the right side, Boundary, Conroy in the middle, and AK at left-back. It's a, it's a difficult situation. It's, it's, it's not what he's manage. And, of course, the, every game, well, we've just been saying it for a while, but every game means a lot. And, and in this stage of season, we have to win both our remaining games to have any chance.
0: Most of me feels that we've got the luxury here of of playing a team that are very much done for the season. They have won one game under new manager Phil Brown, remember him and his assistant Neil McDonald. But it's been enough to keep them in the division. And if you read any comments from their fans, the rhetoric that I've been reading, especially before survival was confirmed, was that if they stay up, it's because of other teams as opposed to Barrow, which looks quite accurate really. And as I said there last week, that, that victory is enough to keep them in the division because of Oldham and Scunthorpe's form. So if in terms of defence, we have the luxury here of playing someone maybe slightly out of position because that's not going to be the reason Swindon lose this game if they were to lose or drop points. It, it, it simply cannot be because even if say, Odomeo makes a mistake and we lose 1-0, then why on earth have we not scored against yeah. this side? So it, it is a sort of a luxury that we have here um, to be really high on confidence against a team that have nothing to play for. So in terms of defence, I'm trying to keep it to that. I think Ghana can really sort of play it safe here uh, without needing to get too creative. That's a very fair
2: point to make, Rich. The tactic really should be tomorrow. Go out there and- and try and blast them away with goals. And if you get through and yes. you look very quickly, then they're not going to want to try and attack anyway, are they? So it's a very much situation. Look, we all know if you score more goals, you win a football match. It's, that's exactly how it works. So Swindon should be able to go out there and, and do what they did to Harrogate.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll get to... Barrow in just a moment, but the next question <laughs> on your blog was kind of a bit of admin. It felt um, mm-hmm. when Ben kind was asked about the young player of the year award nominations, we've been doing the end of year silly awards for what will be our fourth year um, in a few weeks, but it seems like everyone's doing end of year awards and therefore it, it, it's, it's kind of amusing to me, but Louis Barry wasn't included in the initial list um, but that was seen as a mistake and they felt obliged to clear that up. did Ben Garner with the uh, clerical clearing up there. He said Louis Barry's in that list as well. And there was a
2: mistake when the nominations went out. So I'm, sure, I'm sure some someone somewhere at Swindon Town has had a little bit of a selling off for that. Um, probably because Louis Barry's been one of the best young players that we've had this season. Just on the situation, I'll touch on kind of the votes actually so far. But the young players have done really well, Garner said. It was a big part of our remit coming in to develop young players, both from Swindon's um, well, for want of a better word, academy, because we don't obviously have that massive academy set up yet, uh, but from Swindon Town and lone players coming into the group as well. So it's been a nice mix. We aren't overly experienced, but there's enough balance with the experience and youthful exuberance of the group, which I thought was a lovely way of putting it. On to the voting, of course, the nominees are Akinodomeo, Louis Barry, Ricky Aguilar, Jacob Ryan, Tyree Simpson, Kane Kessler-Hayden and Harry Parsons. I, vote, I put my vote forward. And if you actually take a look on there, you can see the breakdown. Currently Kane Kessler Hayden on thirty-four per cent. Tyree Simpson on just under thirty-two per cent. So the top two players in the running to win that award don't even play for the club anymore. Um mm. and you've got Louis
0: Barry on twenty-seven on percent and the rest are, are kind of nowhere near it. So Yeah. It's 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 a tight one. There's only about forty votes between Kessler Hayden and Tyree Simpson. I, I kind of semi-expected Louis Barry to run away with it. And I also fully expect Aston Villa fans to be the uh, the legacy of this vote because they've got two to vote for. And I imagine one of those players in Kessler Hayden and Barry could end up or will end up the winner because Ipswich fans aren't exactly going to uh, <laughs> see this and, and vote. And I say this, people will be going, well, why, why are they voting? Well, you know how social media works. They'll click in and, and vote for their... Their main man and um, Kessler Hayden, who was very good. Although I will say, I don't think he was award worthy throughout his spell. When he was great, he was, or well, when he performed well, he was absolutely brilliant. But there were games where that wasn't the case. I voted for Tyrese. I voted for Tyrese um, as well. Yeah, I think he was the most consistent of the
2: young players. But then, so it, there's always the risk of doing it early, the voting ends in three days you know, we could get promoted this season. Louis Barry could score, you know, in the playoffs and get us to Wembley and then score in the final and he wouldn't win young player of the season, so...
0: Well, Ryan, dear boy, there's a reason why I haven't asked for anyone's contributions on that front. That is the exact reason. The season has not finished yet, so... Even the main player of the year award, that's all up in the air at the moment. It looks like McCurdy's going to win the, the traditional one that the advertiser use, whereas, you know, I'm firmly in the Louis Reed camp and others are elsewhere. It's, it's um, oh, it's just a bit of fun, isn't it? What does it matter? Shall we talk about Barrow now? Let's go for it. Yeah, we've mentioned Barrow's managed by Phil Brown and Neil McDonald. They came in in March and they replaced Former Swindon manager Mark Cooper, of course, and things didn't really change, did they, Um, straight away? And now they have turned things around um, because when Phil Brown first arrived, losses, and then an unlikely 4-0 win over Forest Green Rovers, a good point at Salford, and then a a win against our playoff rival Sutton. But then they've since lost against Exeter, but but the Sutton game, secured their survival so it really means nothing to them now they've been down there all season long really yet they still beat us Ryan so (laughs) they beat us at that time and they beat us when we're playing away which you know was at a time where we weren't used to that we just lost our first away game against Orion and then we went we followed it up straight away with a loss at Barrow it's we can't compare that result with anything that's coming up tomorrow because the stakes are completely different now. Now Swindon are scrapping for promotion. They've just beat currently the best team in the division, though I'm not quite sure they'll get the title. But I don't care, to be honest, whatever. (laughs) Um, And now Barrow are are on the beach. There's nothing, there's no other way you can say this. It has to be a win and it really should be a comfortable one.
2: It should be. Really, if you're looking at Barrow's form of late, You'd have much preferred to play them just at the end of March, previous to their past five games, because they were getting beat by everyone then. Leighton Orient, Carlisle, Port Vale, Crawley, all enjoying good victories over them. Since then, their last five fixtures, they've had two wins, a draw and two losses. So, you know, it's it's not the most, it doesn't feel you the most confident that Swindon will go out there and blow them away tomorrow, but like you said, regardless of the Kind of form of late, Swindon have got the players as we've heard Ben Garner say so many times this season to be anyone in the division. Starting with Barrow, yeah. tomorrow, they should be Barrow down there in the dumps. Like you said, they've secured safety, so they won't be kind of worrying too much about whether they do lose. There's always that argument against, you know, Phil Brown, for example. Manjo, is playing for a contract. The players are playing for contracts and possibly looking to impress teams and get a move away somewhere else. But there's a massive gap in quality a massive gap in difference and Barra have conceded 52 goals this
0: season it should be a lot more than that after tomorrow yeah they've they've, they've improved defensively this year it's not my job to be cautious my job is to say it how I see it and we need to be winning this convincingly we need to be putting pressure on teams elsewhere by showing the other teams that we are bang up for this and we want that seventh or sixth position you know or or higher whatever but it's it's also be stupid not to acknowledge that these are the teams that we tend to drop points against but this is a completely different situation now isn't it it is rich it's like i don't know how how much
2: else we say about it swindon just have to win they they should win it's against the previous swindon town manager and phil brown interesting to see what type of reception he'll get at the county ground tomorrow ben garner said he actually met him when he was out in india of course, Phil Brown had that stint there, didn't he? And they actually, um, I can't remember what team it, Ben Garner was at at the time, but he actually played against Phil Brown's team. And oh, no, he's never met him in England. So that's one way of making an introduction is in his old stomping ground. So he's another Swindon manager coming back and hopefully he gets a good welcome. But that's the generic comments of any manager speaking about you know, a fellow returning to that club. And, you know, I, I don't know about you. i I, I don't think it'll be anywhere near the levels of John Sheridan, but I'm still not expecting Phil Brown to probably get the best ovation from Swindon fans.
0: In terms of Phil Brown, Phil Brown has a minimal legacy at Swindon Town under a regime that was not light. He was brought in, didn't feel like a Swindon Town appointment, didn't even feel like a Lee Power appointment, to be honest. It kind of went against the grain of, everything he did previously, when he was perhaps a little bit more motivated to see Swindon succeed. You know, I I don't think anyone should really hold him in any major regard at all, whether it be good or bad. He he just came in, it didn't work out, he left and was replaced by Richie Wellens. There's not much more narrative to it than that, you know. No, it was
2: one of those appointments that... Oh, he's, he was a former Premier League manager so yeah, let's bring him in it was almost one of those ones by Lee Power that he felt, oh, it would keep the fans happy for a little bit
3: uh, I'm not
0: even sure I'm not even sure if it was you know, it, it really it, I, there is an element of a football fan base, and this isn't just Swindon that they want people they've heard of and they want people with a little bit of history, and that's Absolutely, why why I think he recruited Phil Brown, but he definitely didn't tick the boxes of what what Lee Power wanted in a coach. Whether that was a yes man, maybe that was it. Maybe Phil Brown coming to was you know not at the height of his powers, wanted work, and he was willing to just work with a chairman who who was wanted him at the club himself. You know they've got to fight for these jobs. I don't know, but it, it, he didn't tick the boxes of what we're used to. And even in terms of being a former premiership manager, it's not the most exciting. I don't think anyone went, wow, Phil Brown. I don't believe it. It, it just seems that he just went, I will try this. It, more like a winging it appointment more than anything. Yeah, he was actually as well the
2: first manager that I ever interviewed at Swindon Sound. That was good. Oh. I'd been there during the days of Flitcroft, but this was the first time I'd kind of been doing the sole gig at Total. And I interviewed Phil Brown. I remember I asked him a, uh, I can't remember what the actual match was for 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 the life of me. But I asked him. I think it was a question about kind of what you're doing training to get, pick the players back up against. And he knew it was my first time almost. And I got this staring, deaf stare that seemed to go on for about five minutes. And I was just there, kind of sweating and thinking, "Oh no, oh no." And then after it was probably was about three seconds actually, but it felt like a lifetime. And then he answered it, and I was relieved and shaking, and now you know it's just a common thing so I wonder if Phil Brown will remember me I hope he doesn't I'm not really too bothered
0: if he does anyway I probably won't (laughs) yeah well I mean I don't do as many ex-player manager conversation episodes as I would like to or used to do, so I don't think I'll ever get David Flickcroft on again. But Phil Brown did feel like appointing Klopp or Guardiola after experiencing the Flickcroft era, I suppose, which might be a bit mean, but it wasn't the most entertaining football we'd ever had. So it just represents a bit of a a grey time for Swindon, not bleak, just grey and normal and dull barrow they, they they have some they have some people that we've known i mean it's just so hard to really analyze this game as a, as a preview because it, it, i'm so reluctant to call it this the mini season that we're on now but i think we go into every game with the same mentality regardless of if it's a top team or a or a lower pecking order side we we're just going to go at them and and hopefully and hopefully win. But you know, what will be will be. But how, how how do you see us setting up for this game against Barrow? It's got to be the same as previously at lower side, right? If you'd imagine so after the
2: recent couple of performances, if we look at how we lined up the other day, you'd like to probably say Egbo start at right back. The only worry is is maybe he could be used as left back because is more comfortable on the right hand side. We spoke about previously it could be a back. Five, it could be a back four if we go with a back four let's go I'm going to go to Lewis Ward in goal Ben Garner's comments make me lean just probably more towards him Akinodomeo at right back Baldry and Conroy in centre back and then AK at left back again that could change I just think maybe Fancy a bit more security down that right hand side um, in a, player, a position that AK is more comfortable in Jack Payne Louis Reed and Johnny Williams all seem to have clicked together of recent times in the middle of the park and then Harry McCurdy Josh Davison, Louis Barry up front. So, yeah,
0: nothing too much about it, Rich. Just a goalkeeper situation and a fullback as well. Garner was asked about the final two games of the season and it's pretty much what I've been trying to say, but in a much more concise way, that we just have to get it right. Yeah, not have to get it right.
2: Have to be perfect For the words of Ben Garner in these last few games. Take it one step at a time. Not look beyond Saturday, those typical comments that we always hear. But he then threw a stat out at us and he said in two of the past five seasons, we would already have enough points for the playoffs. Possibly give himself a little bit of breathing room should we not do it with those comments. But he said, if we win our last two games, I am certain we will be in the playoffs. Of course, Swindon can win their last two games and not be in the playoffs. There is that situation as well. That means that he's expecting either Sutton United or Bristol Rovers to drop points, currently two behind certain three behind Rovers. On the goal difference for up front, if we just take a look at it, Swindon boast a better goal difference than every team in the playoffs. Um sorry. they post a better goals for, I should say, in every team in the playoffs bar uh Man uh, bar Port Vale, sorry. So Swindon town in a good position on that front, they just have to get those points there. Tough games this weekend, not for Bristol Rovers, but for Sutton United, that's the team that really, if you're going to think, oh, we'll catch anyone, and it'd most likely be them. Sutton United at home to Bradford, never know what Bradford will turn up. And then away at last game of the season, Harry Harrogut's probably points for any team. Bristol Rovers, they look probably quite certain to get it, Rich, I'm being honest. Rochdale away tomorrow and then Scunthorpe at home on the last day of the season, so... Someone has to drop points, whether they do, they might not, but Swindon have to win theirs to be in Venichal.
0: Yeah, I think it, it really does add a little bit of nerves maybe to most fans that Bristol Rovers, you know, their 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 games could easily result in them going up automatically. You know, I, I expect them to beat Rochdale, a little bit um, comforted by the fact they're away, but, you know... They, they should be beating them and then their final home game of the season against Scunthorpe should be home and dry it could be a really dramatic time at the memorial on the last game of the season as you mentioned there Sutton have a have Bradford and you're completely right Bradford can either win that game or lose it terribly you know um, but fair play to Sutton where we're talking about Bradford going there and Maybe struggling to get points, and then last game of the season could be anything. Could it? Be, could be a choke, but it should be a, a convincing win at Harrogate. It's very hard to ignore Mansfield as well. Now Mansfield are playing Salford on Monday, which is a huge game for Swindon. We, we, it's completely possible that Salford um, could could take points from them, and then the last game of the season is against somebody against Forest Green Rovers, who could be looking to win the title. Um, so Mansfield could dip out of it potentially we'll, we'll have to see Swindon have to win their games and see how it goes and if we don't go up on a ridiculously <laughs> high um, amount of well 77 points and not make the playoffs would be insane but completely possible
2: completely possible this been one of those seasons and we should I hate to sound like Bengal at times but we didn't even think we'd be in this position. Here we are. And
0: oh come on! We've been up there all season long. It.
2: Um, it's true. We, you know, we. Uh, I don't mean we shouldn't now make it. That's not a buyer. I don't think you can use that as an excuse to not make the playoffs or at least win your last two games. But it just it goes to show how well Swindon have done this season when you actually put it into into you know the full picture. What I would say is I'm going to go out on a whim, or I don't know how many people are agreeing with me is. I really don't like Joey Barton, but I would like Bristol Rovers to make the playoffs alongside Swindon, and then slide them over two legs. Can you imagine that A playoff game? No, that'd, that'd be brilliant. I'd love it. Absolutely brilliant. So here, here, Swindon Town, Bristol Rovers against each other in the playoffs. That's something we want to see.
0: No, no, it isn't. Yeah, it will be absolutely. Ugh. I don't know. Would it? Would it be? What we want to see, it'll be a brilliant, it'll be box office. Good luck trying to get a ticket for the Memorial Game. You know, every season ticket holder will be wanting to go to that. That's what we must aspire for those sort of moments. You know, and every game is a playoff game at the moment, where we've got to win um, to to progress, to keep the season alive. And if if a part of that process is Bristol Rovers, then so be it. Um, that would be tremendous fun absolutely nerve-wracking but we'll have we'll, we'll cross that bridge like when we get into there the realms of fantasy aren't we now we're, do, we're getting ahead of ourselves yeah, more. i'm not getting ahead of myself you're getting ahead of yourself <laughs> don't bring me into this i'm just entertaining it um well, maybe that's part of the problem um yeah so we'll, we'll see we'll see but that's just i I'd, I'd much rather face the prospect of a of a nerve-wracking two legs against Bristol Rovers than not making the playoffs and 77 points. And I just will not have as the principal chin up, as, well, we didn't expect to be here and not qualifying for the playoffs with 77 points. Nothing will be able to console me on that front. (laughs) There will be no consolation. That would be devastatingly bad luck. Um, And I'm not having anything else. Of course, we've performed minor miracles this year, given what the other two teams with embargoes have done, and that's get relegated. I know it. I see it. For whatever reason, the calibre of player we've brought in have been hugely different to what Gunthorpe and Oldham have brought in but that doesn't matter it's it's a great achievement it's a great season no matter what happens now but don't try and console me <laughs> with where we were a year ago if we don't make the playoffs and 77 points or even you know well even 75 would be insanely unfortunate but if we win the last two games and don't make the playoffs it would be devastating here here bravo yeah yeah well it's not a bravo it's just you can't argue against it you really like... can't it's just what it is
2: you know if we we were, if you actually look at 77 points if we'd got that last season and we were in league 2 we've only been five off winning the title so yeah <laughs> oh, there you go that makes it even worse doesn't
0: it oh man no yeah that that would be anyway we'll, we'll cross that bridge as i said there before and that takes us nicely two questions that Ben Garner was asked before we get to yours and that was on dealing with pressure and managing expectations. It was something we've actually I believe spoke to Ben Garner just a couple of weeks about this was
2: a question asked by the Alpha, um, and very similar response to what I got a while back and it was just that we have to continue the way we play we don't change anything we don't kind of what Ben Garner was trying to say is they don't build the players up too much they just we will always try and attack and, and be on the front foot and do that tomorrow, and with the extra intensity the crowd can provide. That will only help us. He did give a little bit of a message to the fans, um, which we didn't actually put down some quotes for, just because, of course, I thought I'd speak about it on here, and it's stuff that he says quite similarly a lot of the time. And it was that: uh, get behind the crowd tomorrow, uh, get behind the crowd, get behind the players tomorrow. The Stratton Banks Open. Bengal has been absolutely amazed with the support that Swindon Town fans have been giving the team, especially on Tuesday night. He said it was incredible to play against Forest Green. Under the lights on, on a midweek game with that many fans in stadium, of course over eleven thousand in there, and, and he just needs more of the same tomorrow because we had that big rallying call before Forest Green to to get the fans on the on the support uh, sorry to get the fans on the players' side and, and kind of really make more noise than we have, and it was the first time in a long time reached. I've been sat in the press box at Swindon Town
0: and heard any type of noise continue. For more than five minutes. I've been banging that drum for, for months now that this team feed off atmosphere, they enjoy it, let's do it. Right? It's not hard. <laughs> this isn't this isn't rocket science, right? No, it's not. That
2: that's exactly it. I think we've all been saying it. Me and yourself, I've often been critical of the fans and, and the atmosphere that is created at times. And I think if you have a team that thrives off this type of energy, then you know, give them it and let them put on the goods because we saw that against Rice Green and we even held on with 10 men.
0: Um, shall we listen to your audio?
2: Let's go for it. Good morning, Ben. Um, you spoke about Kane and, and Joe being there the other night and I just wanted to touch on kind of the, the spirit of this squad and the unity that you've managed to build. How, how much of a difference does that make, uh, you know, in a team whereby you weren't expected to make the playoffs this season, the aim was to survive, and, and now you find yourself in this situation. It, does it really provide that much difference? Huge.
3: In my opinion, I don't think anything can be successful without having that or any business, any company, anything at all. If you haven't got the right culture and good people in, I think it's so difficult to succeed, especially over a period of time. So we've worked hard at that. Credit to the players, credit to the staff, um, throughout all departments at the football club. You know, you can wander around the, the stadium yesterday afternoon and see people from all the different departments. It's so together and everyone's so positive in what we're trying to do. And we've spent, as a group, as the squad, we've spent a lot of time together this season. We we train a lot. We have long days. Don't get too many days off. But the plus side of that is that they grow closer and spend a lot of time together. So you can only look at the the closing stages Tuesday night to see what I what a team spirit there is! How much they do want to succeed, and how much they're willing to give for each other. You know, the players coming off the bench the other night, everything they gave in that space of time, and the way the lads on the bench are celebrating and fantastic. The injured players that are in the stands, you know, they're in the dressing room before the game. You should everyone all the best? It's a fantastic group, and I'm I'm really proud to be to be part of that group this season.
2: And what's been your approach to to trying to build that? Because I, I get the sense you, you might not be this type of manager and many aren't these days, whereby it's the, the hair dryer treatment after a bad game and, and you don't build them up too much after a after a positive game.
3: Consistency has been important, I think, for us this season in terms of how we work, how we train, how we plan, how we play um, and, and having set standards within that. We've tried to develop that within the players as well, in terms of them driving the standards and in terms of their leadership qualities. And that's going to be important moving forward as a football club that I think we've provided strong foundations now, a good core. And we need to now build around that and strengthen it as as much as we possibly can. But as I say, it's a credit to every single player, every single member of staff at the football club. Everyone has been a part of this process this season. And... Let's enjoy this, these closing stages and see if we can see if we can extend the season and delay our holidays a bit longer.
2: And finally, just with Matthew Bordry, he's been a bit of talk of him recently, I know. But have you had any chat with him just to try and change his mind about retirement? Because he's, you know, recent games, he's been one of your standout players.
3: He's been fantastic. I haven't had any conversations with him regarding uh, beyond this season or uh, anything other than matches. Um, great character. Great to be around all the time and he's enjoying every single second of, of every game and he's showing his leadership and his, and his qualities. So we, we just focused on Barrow tomorrow. <laughs> Hopefully he can have another strong game, help us get a clean sheet, help us get three points. That would be fantastic.
0: Brilliant. Thank you, Ben. Good luck. Cool. So the importance of building strong relationships, kind of simple, right? Very simple, <laughs> you'd
2: like to think. As Ben Garner kind of made out there, his approach is different to what a lot of managers I think take and and you probably see this more than anyone with Harry McCurdy in the sense that he came to Swindon on a trial at the start of the season, was without a club and and he's now in the team of the season for the division And, and of course challenging for the playoffs and Swindon Town's top scorer. It was really interesting to hear that Ben Garner focuses on making this team spend a lot of time together probably at the expense of being given time off but that seems to be the secret to his success. He, he he's of course a very analytical manager and we've heard him going about, you know, expected goals and different stats and the video meetings that they have, but Bengon has been able to get the best out of a lot of these players simply because of the culture that he's created at the club.
0: Yeah, the Harry McCurdy story is something that I don't think would happen at most clubs. I think maybe the way he is well, we've seen his career, how it's unfolded so far. I think he needs Swindon just as much as we need him at the moment. And I, and I still do believe that. But the going is good at the moment and long may that continue. Um, but yeah, it's testament to Ghana that he's allowed McCurdy to thrive and be himself and do his thing. Certain things I don't agree with in terms of McCurdy, but it's not football related. Yeah. So, um, So, you know, keep on. Um, working with Harry to get the best out of him, and well, they've they've absolutely done that this year. They have, and fair play
2: to everyone involved at Swindon Town because it's Harry. I know we keep kind of harping back to him. There's other players involved as well, and if you look at kind of some of the young players in the team that have coming on their first senior move, they've certainly developed, and and that's as much thanks to the training to the way that they've been able to connect with this group off the pitch it was really interesting when Ben Garner said, you kind of, you saw on Tuesday, the team spirit, there was, you know, the, the, the way that the subs came on and they played their part instantly, the way that those on the bench didn't get on with cheering at the end of the game. Um, and how much the players are just willing to give for each other. And it feels like I was around the, the team a lot during the witchy, Yellen, Witch Richie Ellen's era, And there was a similar type of vibe, but even now at this moment, it seems a lot stronger and, and, when you're actually in the press room after a game, Rich, you, you we're directly next to the changing room. You can hear the talking and the laughing and the shouting that's going on. And on Tuesday, it just seemed like there was a room full of best mates in there.
0: Yeah, I think the relationship between the squad, win, lose or draw, has been pretty good all season round, all season long, I would say. Um, especially, you know, from my observations, you know, it might not be necessarily the case internally, but everything I've heard, everything I've seen suggests that, They've really, they really have built quite a unit and it'll be sad to see that disband potentially in the summer because that's the nature of lower league football, but it gives me every bit of confidence that they'll be able to do it again. You know, I don't think, sadly, a bunch of footballers enjoying their training room and their work environment is enough to keep players at the club as much as it used to be. They've they've done a great job. And again, given all those circumstances that we we keep highlighting, they've really chose the right players at the right time. And you can't but admire and appreciate that. You also discussed the managerial approach with players. And it goes on from there, doesn't it? It does. It was really just speaking about the type of manager Ben Garner
2: is and and whether he's dis hair treatment type manager after a loss or always kind of trying to be the the best mate of the players in many ways. And he seems to have found the balance here and that's really down to what Ben Garner says is consistency and that's been the most important thing of getting us to the position we're in the season, consistency in terms of how Swindon work, they play, they plan, uh, the set standards that they've been able to uh, create there at Swindon Town. And and Ben Garner, it it was before the Forest Green match that he actually said about uh, Forest Green are in this position now whereby they're promoted, they're of course they should win the league or they should have apart from their recent slip-up and the the fact that they've been able to build this is because they've got a core group of players there, they've got a culture and then when you need to get to a transfer window, you need to bring in one or two players, you don't need to kind of have a, a squad overhaul every single summer and you feel that that's what he's now built and he seems happy and he, he's in a very different situation to what he was at the start of the season and And really, even if Swindon don't get promoted, he seems happy with the core that he's got there and that should only bode well for next season.
0: And finally, your last question was on Mathieu Baldry. We're all assuming that this will be his last season in professional football because we've seen that he's been getting qualifications outside the game and his game, you know, his career's future is outside of football, potentially. It cannot be denied that over the last couple of weeks, He has been phenomenal and I'm not saying that he never was really reliable, but because of the nature of his fitness, he came in, he came out. If there were any sort of so-so performances before, that's what you remember, but he's had a long and successful career in the Football League. He's played a lot, a lot of games despite everything. And you don't do that in football unless you've got something about you. And we're really starting to see what, say, Leighton Orient saw. And it's coming at a time where we're wondering, you know, Tyler mentioned this in the last episode where he's got nothing to lose now. If he's not playing beyond May, then he's just going out there now and giving it his all because this is is his final dance, isn't it? This is his last chance to do the thing that he's loved for decades. And I still don't feel that he's fighting for a contract, but I'm completely on board with the, the notion that he's he's just given it his all in his final two, three, four games. Well, it was after a Newport game,
2: I think, when he came out and said to us in the press room about his plans to retire. And, you know, his body language indicated as well that this was going to be his last season. And it was either going to go one or two ways. He either was going to kind of not play well at all and then and his career at Swindon Town, his career in football on a low, or he's going to come out flying and he's done that. He's been Swindon's best player in many ways those last few matches, certainly our best defender. And he gets the best out of the others as well. I think Duan Conroy has massively improved alongside him. And I just wanted to find out if there's any conversation going down there with Ben Garner saying, look, just give us another season, you playing like this. And, and we'd be laughing because he looks like a player of, as you said, yesteryear when he was in his, his kind of peak form. And for Swindon Town, that, that's only a good thing at the moment. He he puts his body on the line. He, you know, I'm going to go and touch some wood here, but he seems to be committing so much that injuries aren't even a problem for him at the moment. And he's mm. just fantastic. <laughs> and Swindon Town be
0: hoping that he can at least finish this season strongly before making the decision. You know, if, if he wants to have a conversation of prolonging his career, then that's the one that he'll have. But I would say, put that to aside for the remainder of the season and keep doing what you are doing, sir. Because um it's been hugely, hugely noticeable and enjoyed and we need more of it. That is
2: it. More of it, more of the same for the last few games. He just has to keep doing what he's doing and, and that defence looks a hell of a lot more shored up. Hey, Ryan, how do you know
0: that Rich is back on the
2: podcast? Um, I, I don't know. Is this a trick question? I'm Because he asked me for my prediction, maybe? I don't
0: know. No, it's because we've been going on for over 45 minutes. Wow! Ah, uh, oh well, <laughs> I,
2: admit, I, I do, You know, when we talk, I don't actually have the screen up. I have part of the commentary done.
0: <laughs> well, a sure sign that that I'm on hosting duties is, is that it's it's a longer pod but I don't care I've not taught Swindon for a fortnight so yeah let's have that prediction as you said there I'm going to go with a very comfortable but low scoring 2-0 win I almost don't want to make a prediction because it like I'm not a Swindon
2: fan but I I have become a Swindon fan over the last few seasons and this is probably the most excited I've been about watching us
0: play uh Oh, don't be excited. Have expectations, but don't... This often happens, and it's happened this season, where we get all giddy about a little bit of form and then we go and mess it up against teams like Barrow. I'm fully aware of the terms and conditions, but 2-0, Swindon. 4-1, Swindon. 4-1, wow. Okay, he's going for it. He's gone for it. Don't don't back me, but I have gone for it. Lovely. Well, we'll see how that goes. Ryan, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Rich. Run by him and out and the Low Strangers is an independent podcast and views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The intro music of the presser is by the amazing Drag Me Down influenced by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on Swindon. <laughs>